Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG, and we're online at kpcg.fm. We have a live link at the Trumpet. Dot com as well, all of our podcasting available at those locations or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. Well, human beings, you and I, we are mortal, we're temporary, we have a temporary physical life, and then at some point, of course, we die. And that can be a little bit frightening. People are concerned about that. If you think about man's history, there's a lot of uh, emphasis placed on death. Music, literature, art, lots that's been produced over the years that relates to death. People's questions about death and people's questions about what happens after the fact. You know, people hope to live again. And so there's a lot of different ideas about that as well. What happens to somebody after they die? People have some pretty strong ideas about it and are looking for hope, especially in a time of sadness when a loved one dies. And, and that is a, a natural longing to have hope and to look for that and to want to wanna live and continue living. Thankfully, God's Word reveals exactly what occurs in people's lives. There is a, a promise of life after this physical existence. God's Word shows that God does promise eternal life, living forever. And God gives eternal life as a gift. We don't have it right now, humanly. We're not born with eternal life. We know that. But God does give it as a gift. But there are conditions to that gift. God won't give eternal life to somebody that would you know, be evil their whole life, their whole existence, and abuse it. That would just be a, a, a horrific problem. That would be a Satan the devil. There'd be another one, right? If somebody lived forever, but they were wicked and evil. And so God wants to make sure that people meet the conditions that he has set forth to receive that gift of eternal life. There are conditions to it. Mankind has to have something that we don't have on our own. We have to have something from God to ultimately receive eternal life. And that something is God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is essential. It's a pathway between physical existence and eternal life in the family of God. We have an example of that happening. You can look at the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to this earth as a physical man, and he was crucified, and of course that means he was killed. He died. He was dead. But he didn't stay dead. Let's notice some about Christ. And we can see what happened to him and the path that he took. And it shows us the path that God has for us as well. We have a few passages today. If you have a Bible handy, it'd be great to get it out. And we could look at these scriptures together. Christ died, but he did not stay dead. Notice 1 Corinthians 15. And we'll look at verses 3 through 4. Paul writes, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. 
he was that perfect sacrifice for us. And verse 4, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You know, Christ prophesied that he would uh, rise and that he'd only be in the grave that uh, specific duration, three days and three nights. And many people witnessed that. They saw it. So there's there's history that's recorded. And now, again, somebody could be a doubter, but, but people did witness it. You see this in verse 5. It says, And that he was seen of Cephas, Peter, and then of the twelve. And after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. So even at the time of Paul's writing, some of those people had seen Christ after he was resurrected. And, of course, some had died. But there were still those there that had seen it. So he was writing to that audience, and and we read about that history today. Verse 7, after that, he was seen of James, and then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. Christ, the resurrected Christ, trained Paul and gave him some special instruction. And Paul talks about that. So there's a lot of witnesses to the fact that Christ was resurrected, and they had interaction with him after he died. But then he was resurrected, and that's an exciting thing. Christ was given eternal life. He had it as a God being. He gave it up to become a human being and to be sacrificed for our sins, and then he was resurrected, and he has that eternal life within him once again. How did God the Father raise Jesus Christ from the dead? How did he do it? Well, we can see this in Ephesians 1. Again, we're looking at this because this is uh, an example for us. This is uh, the, the pioneer. Christ went first. And this is the path for us as well. Ephesians 1, and we'll look at verses 19 through 21. It says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? So again, this is for people who believe God and are obeying God. This is according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Christ was resurrected, he was glorified, and he has this incredible office, uh, and he's second in command right under God the Father. And God the Father has given him rule over many things, as it says here. But how did God raise Christ from the dead? Well, we read that there. It was according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. It was the power of God's Spirit. Christ, when he was on this earth, he used God's Spirit to raise people from the dead physically. You know, they, they weren't born of spirit at that point, but they were raised physically at times. He resurrected several, and there's a lot about that in the Gospels that you can read about. It was the power of God, God's Holy Spirit. God the Father's miraculous power was used to raise Christ from the dead. And as we read there, he, Christ was resurrected to spiritual power. <laughs> He's not a human being anymore. He's God. He's the Son of God. He's the that member of the God family. Notice 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 14. And, and here's where it gets really exciting for you and for me. 
1 Corinthians 6 and verse 14, and God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. So Christ was resurrected from the dead, will be resurrected from the dead, will be resurrected. And for those that are alive at Christ's return and that have God's Spirit dwelling in them, they'll be changed in that moment. In that sense, it's, of course, still a death and a resurrection. It's just very quick. But this is going to be a a resurrection from the dead, a change. And we can look at what happened to Christ and how God the Father raised him, and then that's the same power that's going to be used to raise up those who are obeying God today. They're going to be raised. That What an awesome example. There's some real hope and encouragement and excitement in that. Christ went before us and set us an example. We can look at what happened with his life, and it's a pattern for what will happen with ours. God raised him up, and also we will be resurrected by the power of God's Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Now, what is our part in this process? Well, we've touched on it a little bit already. There, there is something we have to do. Again, eternal life is a gift from God, but we have to meet certain conditions. He's not going to give eternal life to somebody who refuses to obey him. That would be horrible. It'd be horrible for the individual, and it'd be horrible for everyone else, too, who would want to live forever in misery. Eternal life is a gift, but it's only a, a, a valuable thing if it's a life of joy and accomplishment and love and peace. If it's a life of bitterness and anger and frustration, then who would want that? But God gives his eternal life to those that uh, will live as he lives and really use it the right way and have great joy in that. We do have a part in this process. Notice Romans 8. Romans 8. And again, this is where people maybe balk at the word of God a little bit because it talks about us doing our part today. Romans 8 verses 9 through 14 It says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, this doesn't mean that that these people that have God's spirit are already composed of spirit. It just means we're to be led by the spirit. It says, now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Well, a Christian is one that has to have God's spirit actively leading him. Verse 10, it says, and if Christ be in you, The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. The physical body is going to die. It does. It doesn't live forever. It can't. But the spirit, the growth, the development, that character, God's Holy Spirit, unifying with and uniting with the spirit in man, now that is something that will grow and grow and grow, producing God's character, and then ultimately that person can be resurrected as a spirit being even though the physical body's long gone at that point. Verse 11, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, see, it has to be in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. We have to have God's Holy Spirit in us. It has to be in us, and of course it has to be active. We have to be using it. It, it leads us. We have to follow its direction. It opens our mind to understand God's truth, and then we have to apply it. It's all God's working. It's all his doing. 
but we have to cooperate with God. And there's some incredible promises here. It's easy to kind of read over it, but just think about what that's saying. If that Holy Spirit of him that raised of Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that's God's Holy Spirit. If it dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. A resurrection, a resurrection to God family life. And then it talks about what we need to be doing in verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. doesn't mean you'll live forever physically, or I'll live forever physically, of course. It means we'll be resurrected like Christ was. But if we don't have God's Spirit or we don't use it, and it no longer is active, all that's left is physical death. That means we have to be thinking about how we're living today. Are we following just the poles of the flesh, or are we following the lead and the direction of God's Spirit? So it becomes very practical at that point. What are we following? Which direction are we going? If we're going the way that that, uh, we're being led by God's Spirit and we have God's Spirit, and we'll be resurrected. It's as good as done on God's part. We have to do our part and make sure that God is leading us and following that direction. Verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We have to be led by God's Spirit if we are to be sons of God. Sometimes people can kind of debate, you know, well, who's a Christian, who's not a Christian, that type of thing. It's very clear. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Correspondence Course, this is a free Bible course at thetrumpet.com. Please sign up for it if you don't uh, have it already and uh, take it. It gets into all of these different topics and with a lot of depth, more than we can cover here. But this, uh, the course says the Scriptures make it abundantly clear that God desires to elevate mortal man to the God plane of existence. Literal spirit-born members of his spirit-composed family. (laughs) People will balk at that too sometimes, but that's what the scriptures say, and we're looking at God's word. The quote continues, It is also evident that only those who have, or did have at the time of their death, God's Spirit at Christ's return will then be given the gift of eternal life. True Christians have been begotten by the Spirit of God, are led by it, we just read that in Romans 8 and verse 14, and are manifesting the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their lives. You can read about those fruits in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. And you can also read about the, the fruits, I guess, it would be of the flesh, which are bad. They're, they're carnal, and they lead to death. But the fruits of the Spirit are listed there as well. And that's what we need to have in our lives. If God's Spirit is leading us, we'll be producing those fruits. Notice Revelation 17 and verse 14. It, it gives more indication here of the way we need to be, the, na- the way we need to go about our lives. And it talks about Christ's return and this battle that he has. It says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him, 
Okay, so these are those that are led by God's Spirit and are resurrected at the time of his return. They that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. So we have to be called by God. John 6 and verse 44 talks about that. And we have to accept that calling, and God has to work with us, and we have to be faithful all through our lives, be growing. And then when Christ returns, they that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Those are the people that are going to be there. They've used God's Spirit correctly. They've let it lead them. They've followed its lead. And they've developed fruits of God's Spirit. And then notice this eternal life, Luke 20, in verses 35 through 36, Christ trying to explain here eternal life to some extent. And, uh, of course, you know, humans struggle to understand that. But he was trying to explain it to them. It says, But they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world, eternal life, and the kingdom and family of God. It says, And the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. They were asking him about, you know, who people would be married to when they were resurrected. And he said, look, <laughs> when I, they don't marry physically. They're spirit. Verse 36, it says, Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels, in, in the sense that they're spirit composition, and are the children of God. See, actual children of God being the children of the resurrection. And, of course, you can read about how the church will marry Christ, and there is that marriage and that family. But in terms of, you know, like we have marriage physically, he's saying, look, this is a different level. This is spirit level now. And those the, the physical marriages from this life, that's a thing of the past. Now you're into a new life here, a resurrection from the dead. It's different than this physical realm. It's amazing. But we don't die anymore. They don't die anymore. Neither can they die anymore. Because of what? Because they're now made of spirit. Because at that point, God's first fruits will be spirit composition. They'll be God beings. And they need to use God's spirit today. That's what we need to be doing to prepare us for that and to give us a little bit of that life. And then when God resurrects us from the dead, we'll have this eternal life. Those who are called, repent, and are baptized and are given a down payment of God's Spirit, they use that Spirit, they follow its lead, develop the fruits of God's Spirit, become more and more like God, and after physical life ends for these people that God's working with, God then resurrects them. He resurrects them at the second coming of Christ, or they're changed at that time if they're still alive. And these Spirit-born members of the God family then live forever live forever, and it's a life of joy and accomplishments, the type of life we want. But God's Spirit is essential, and we need God's Spirit today. The Correspondence Course says, The ultimate glory that Spirit-begotten children of God are to receive at the resurrection will be so great that it will make them shine as the brilliant stars of the heavens, like the sun in full strength. That's the way Christ is described, the glorified Christ. That's what he looks like. He had God's spirit on this earth, and when he died, God used that spirit to resurrect him to God life. For those that God's working with today, and, and they submit to his direction and his, his rule in their lives, and they, they follow that process, God gives them his Holy Spirit. 
They use it to grow and to develop God's character. And then at the return of Christ, they too are resurrected and given eternal life in the family of God. God's Spirit is essential. You can learn a lot more about that at uh, thetrumpet.com by signing up for the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. Lesson 11 in particular is a good one to study uh, to understand more about God's Spirit. That's all the time we have for this edition of Live by Every Word. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.